Hi, this is Michelle Wainwright, and welcome to Creative Juicy, a podcast about the creative process, the journey to finding your voice, and tools to help creatives, aka people just like you, find inspiration, confidence, and some business savvy along the way. My career in brand and content strategy led me to collaborating with incredible creators, from photographers to directors, chefs, designers, stylists, illustrators, developers, founders, and so much more. I'm here to shine a light on the experiences of people who dare to be different, with the hopes of inspiring you to do whatever makes you feel unapologetically you. So let's get into it. This is Creative Juicy. This is great. Well, thanks for doing this. And this is so cool for you too. I, I was reflecting on some of the guests that you've had previously. It's like super awesome. Some really like fantastic folks that have been on here already and seems just like a really cool project. So John, thank you. When yeah. I saw Montagave, I was like, oh, I need to have him on. <laughs> well, it's our honor. Yeah. I can't believe you started a tequila company. Like it- yeah. How amazing is that? I want to get into <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, for sure. But first, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, you bet. So my name's John Melvin, and I'm the co-founder of Montegave Tequila. We're uh, based here out of Colorado, here in the mountains of Colorado, and just launched actually early this year. Uh, ramping into uh, a big summer and fall, and it's going really well. We're we're excited with the progress that we've made as uh, as a new brand out there in a in a crowded market. And um, yeah, excited to visit with you, Michelle. <laughs> Likewise. Well, our history obviously begins at Hunters Creek Elementary, and you were a good kid, so I don't think you were like sneaking shots of tequila when we were that age <laughs> from <laughs> your parents' bar. But um, well, they, they, there's a difference. They they were they were uh, yeah maybe yeah I don't want to throw them under the bus, but they were they were I guess um, they're, they're a bit of francophiles actually my my parents, and so I think the wine and the spirits and all of that. Um, and good, good quality wine and spirits had been flowing in, in our household for, for a little while. So there was, I think, an early appreciation, you could say, for some of these things. I see. Okay. Well, good <laughs> on your parents. When did your love for high quality spirits, would you say, where did that begin? Yeah. So I think a lot of it was around this family concept uh, of drinking with family and friends and the stories that were exchanged and kind of this bonding mechanism that, that, that tends to have for folks. And, um, and I recognize that as, you know, something that had, you know, heritage, uh, something that was a treat or kind of a celebratory moment when people would, would bring something out um, that, uh, you know, had a story was uh, made in an interesting way, came from an interesting place, reminded somebody of something, um, you know, of their of their childhood or, or, or some of their experiences. And so I always kind of recognized that interaction with high quality wine and spirits and how that played into our relationships with friends and family. And so I think that was something that I picked up on from an early age because that was that was my life. That's what I grew up with, uh, with, with my own family. And then, you know, when I got to maybe a more 
a, a drinking age, you could say. <laughs> um, uh, I think was I think was when I really started exploring, and I actually went and studied over in in Edinburgh, uh, in in the UK and Scotland uh, to get closer to to whiskey making. Uh, single malt was my first love in the spirits world, and uh, and so I you know went over there for for a fall semester while I was at University of Texas. And, studied abroad and and uh, just had you know an incredible time uh, meeting the folks that were making the juice you know the multi-generations that had been involved the town that rallied around a certain distillery and and everything that was just involved making high quality spirits and yeah and so I think that was kind of my first you know jump in the deep end uh, type experience of you know what is this all about and then shortly thereafter, I actually worked for a grain and glass single malt distillery outside of Austin called Andalusia. And mm. they do, yeah, and they do really awesome um, whiskeys, uh, mostly single malt, but they also do like an Irish style, uh, you know, triple distilled uh, whiskey as well. And they're fantastic and take a more experimental approach, but very serious about the artisanal grain to glass uh, concept within whiskey making. And so I'd always been you know, fascinated by that. And of course, you know, in, in Texas, we drink a lot of tequila as well. And so I think, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that that intersection is what caused me to do a deep dive into the, the world of tequila. And, and that's where I started to, you know, in the, in the world of whiskey, for example, for the most part, the producers are the brands. And so when you look at a Balveni or Glenrothes or you know, Glenfiddich, you can go and tour these distilleries and those are the brands and those are the people behind the juice. And that's something that I really appreciate about whiskey. Um, and in the world of tequila, it's, it's quite different from that. There are 2,700 brands in the universe and there are 200, you know, a little over 200 distilleries in all of tequila making. And so there are so many brands that are being produced by single distilleries and there's not a lot of transparency into mm. that space and so that was one of the things that early on you know i saw a bit of a disconnect there and so just as a as an enthusiast myself i did a, a deep dive and and tried to figure out more about the tequila space to see who are the, the people that are producing the juice who are these you know storied families are they out there and and sure enough i uncovered a handful of folks that were you know, producing juice for three, four generations um, and just doing a phenomenal job. And it was like this heritage and legacy and the same stuff that you see, you know, in the in the whiskey world. And uh, and there were a few select groups doing that in the tequila space as well. So that's where, you know, it was probably seven, eight years ago that we really started drinking, I think, high quality uh, tequila. And that was a part of my, you know, spirits DNA as well. Well, John, I am grinning ear to ear because <laughs> I, like my past agency life, um, was working with predominantly wines and spirits brands. And mm -hmm. I've talked to so many people in the space. And it's so cool that my childhood friend is, <laughs> I mean, obviously you're educated. This is now your job and a very big part of your life. But it is so cool hearing you speak about this. It's like you're all grown up but obviously we're, we're like 40 well, years old. So <laughs> likewise, likewise, Michelle, here you are crushing it. No, I'm and just asking so questions. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. So 
I obviously want to talk all things Montagave, but first, can you give a little bit about your career before this whole thing started? You were a math major. How did your career start out? And then also, how did what was the moment that made you decide to make that jump? Yeah. So, you know, from a from a young age, I, I was a bit of a like a math geek, and I appreciated mental math and. And then I started to understand that maybe there was a relationship between math and business as well. And so I, I liked kind of that intersection. And, uh, and I went to University of Texas and got a, a math degree there. And, uh, and then out of college, I started working for um, businesses that traded commodities for the most part. They were uh, in the financial or, or physical space. Uh, mostly in the energy markets. And a lot of the work that I did was just highly analytical work. So it was large data sets and trying to find patterns. And And in some ways, that's a very creative, um, uh, creative exercise as well, because you're looking for uh, simple and robust patterns that, that may show up um, over large data sets, and you look for ways to take advantage of those to to make money for the business, and uh, and so that was a really interesting uh, arena for me, and one that I that I still enjoy today, you know. But I think meanwhile there is a bit of this creative element that you know, maybe I can thank my my mother for that, who's uh, who's an art who's an artist, and uh, and there's a bit of this creative element as well that I always enjoyed, which was you know, branding, marketing, and how that also plays into uh, running a business. And, uh, and then the intersection of, can you make something that people can enjoy that you can enjoy um, that could facilitate, you know, your own existence as well. Hmm. So when do you think it was when you thought, oh, maybe I should do this myself? Yeah. So Montagave, actually, the, the project first started, it was a bit of a light bulb moment when, uh, so my wife, Lucy and I got married, uh, here in Aspen and her side of the family is French. And my side of the family, of course, is from outside of Austin, Texas. And we had a large Texan contingent traveling over to France for this wedding celebration, you know, wedding party that we were going to throw over there. So we knew we were going to bring a, a bunch of tequila and we knew that, uh, we we're going to drink a lot of wine, and from you know my whiskey making days and, uh, and some of the experimentation that I had done along the way, I think I had always been messing around with uh, you know small barrel aging and you know buying a whiskey off the shelf and double aging it you know in your living room and things like that. And so that's where I had this this idea and mentioned it to Lucy, and she said that's a great idea. Let's do that. Which was let's source a, a French oak wine barrel and buy some tequila off the shelf and it'll be kind of a creative way that symbolizes both of our cultures coming together for this for this celebration and we could serve it at the wedding and give it to people as gifts and it'll be just kind of a fun unique way to do it and so so we actually went about sourcing sourcing a wine barrel from silver oak um, out in california and it was a wet barrel and uh, and we picked it up at this other winery in vale and uh, and drove it to our living room here in the Roaring Fork Valley and bought tequila off the shelf and threw it in the barrel and left it there for six months. And and what came out of it was, I think, something that was really, really interesting and, and unique and tasty, but also something that was not necessarily uh, 
the collaboration that we had anticipated. It was wine barrel dominant, so it was like quite tannic and the color was almost took on something of like a really dark uh, um, rosé or, or really light Pinot Noir. And so it was like really fascinating, just the experimentation of it. Uh, and so we decided to do another batch. So we popped more tequila and, and, and rested it again and, and ended up drinking those, those first two batches at our wedding celebration. And along the way, we kept drinking it with other friends and family and kept experimenting with it, ultimately did four batches. And it was around that third batch that we said, and you know, with enough uh, feedback from friends and family that this was fun and interesting stuff, that we said, you know what? What if we just reached out to, you know, one of our favorite distilleries to see if this would be, you know, something that they would be interested in partnering on as a as a bit of a collaboration? And the collaboration would be taking, you know, incredibly high quality artisanal uh, based tequila and pairing that with the best wood that we can find. And the thesis within that is, you know, the highest quality wood tends to be allocated to the finest wine producers in the world. And so we're going to go and source from the finest wine producers that we can and take those barrels, import them to Mexico and use that for our resting program and provide kind of a unique perspective to the tequila space that hasn't really been seen um, because most of tequila is, is dominated by ex-bourbon and, and American oak. And, uh, and so, yeah, so there, there was, I think a lot going on with, with making, making this decision, but ultimately we were like, you know, look, if we can work with one of the finest tequila producers and all of tequila making, and we have a way to source the wood, which, you know, we lean on Lucy and her, and her French, family and connections over there for to help us source you know this incredibly high quality wood um, and if we can pair those things together i think we start with an amazing product um, and one that you know hopefully we can grow into something really interesting but at least for now you know it's enough to sustain maybe our own drinking of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean you reach out to one of your favorite distilleries and then is that who you ended up working with? Like it just worked yeah. out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, you know, we, we said, look, if we're, if we're going to even go down this path, you know, we're going to do it in, in the way that is meaningful to us, which is working with a family producer, um, you know, one that has that history and that legacy and that cares about you know, the sustainability of their own production the ecological component of their own production. And in this specific distillery, there's you know, two generations in some cases working at different parts of the distillery, either in the cooking process or, or the bottling or in the management of the actual distillery. And, uh, and so that was just really cool for us as a potential partnership to, to recognize that we're a family business and we want to partner with another family business that understands where we're coming from and we want to produce something just very high quality. And then how on the French side of things, how do you go about sourcing the wood? What does, what does that process look like? Yeah. So we, so that was, uh, to sum that up, it was, we made a list of maybe 20 of our favorite uh, producers out of Bordeaux. And, uh, and then uh, Lucy really just cold emailed them 
cold called them in some cases and said, Hey, we're working on this project. It's going to be a collaboration between this really, you know, um, storied uh, tequila producer and, you know, the highest possible quality barrels that we can source. And we'd love to work with you guys and to be able to tell that story. And, uh, and, and a few folks ultimately reached out to us and said, Hey, yeah, this is great. Um, you know, here's, here's how you can go about that. Amazing. Just cold emailing does the trick. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I think picking up the, picking up the phone and cold emailing. And I think especially, you know, with Lucy recognizing some of the cultural differences involved with, with some of that outreach, um, was, was really helpful. But I also think there's, there's this idea that, yeah, you know, the idea is nothing without execution. And so, um, to, to just start, right. To start somewhere and small improvements, even from, you know, from various, from a very small foundation, uh, but continuous small improvements can, can result in something very remarkable. When you're getting all of these different components off the ground, at what point does, like you were mentioning earlier, the more creative aspect when it comes to branding and marketing and the label of the bottle and what the brand looks and feels like, when did that come into play? And did you work with outside partners? Did the distillery know people? Like what was the incubation period for that aspect of Montagave? Yeah, that was such a fascinating time because <laughs> your mom, you know, we, did she help? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was absolutely an advisor for, for us, artistic advisory. Um, and uh, but, you know, for for us, this project was, you know, we don't have a background in, in this space. We don't have a background in, in packaged goods or anything like that. Lucy's an attorney. I'm in the investment world. And it was very much, hey, can we go and, and figure this out? And so, you know, the way that we went about that was um, identifying folks that we thought did a really nice job and reached out to them to find the partners that they used for, you know, for glass, for labels, for tops, for other things like that. And, and it was just fantastic that, you know, many people in the industry were, were willing to be collaborative with us and, and give us some kind of indication of, of where we could go. And then, you know, from the creative side around the branding and the, the label and all of that, that was actually all done uh, in-house. And then we had, um, so by in-house, it's me and Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then we had, uh, and then we had friends of ours, Ben Dobkins, Devin Rogers, who you know, and yeah. friend, yeah, and a friend uh, out here, Roy Coates, um, who's here locally. Uh, they they all helped us with vectors and different things like that. But we we had a we had a very I think concrete uh, design in mind for what we were going for, which was uh, more timeless and, and elegant. And then with little details within the the label and the branding that showed that we really cared about all elements of of what was going into our juice. And so, yeah, so it was a really fun exercise, creative exercise for us. And there are little details that you can pick up on the bottle, like the coordinates of where, you know, the, the distillery is and the coordinates of where we source the barrels, for example. Um, mm. our, our juice is bottled at 82 proof after Highway 82 that runs through Aspen here locally. That's just a nod to, to where it all started. Um, and then there's a space on the, on the back of the bottle that 
is actually a blank space. And it says, uh, we designed this space for you to commemorate your moments. And the idea behind that was that this whole project was born out of these celebratory moments. You know, it was the wedding or it was the, the parties or the, just the time spent with great friends and family. And to be able to kind of personalize that experience for someone, I think was, was really cool because, you know, in our own case, we had notes and other things from these celebratory moments that people gave back to us. And we reflect on that and to be able to give that to somebody else to include in their own, uh, in, in their own moments, I think was something that we really enjoyed doing. Well, not to diss any attorneys or investment people, but it is very impressive (laughs) that these incredible concepts and moments, as you say, and just storytelling came from a couple that's an attorney and an investment (laughs) guy. (laughs) I was going to ask how big your team is. Is it still just you and Lucy or have you built it out even more? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's me and Lucy. We're the yeah, we're the main team. We're we're um, now uh, we've reached out to a few folks to help us with some of the like Instagram marketing and and uh, some PR relationships and things like that. Um, because a lot of the releases that we'll be doing over the years uh, are going to be more like limited, unique expressions. We're calling them like an exploration series where we use, you know, really unique types of wood that haven't been used in in the tequila space. And we want to at least build some relationships in the, in the space from a marketing perspective that would allow us to say, Hey, you know, here's a really unique expression that, that we think, you know, some of your readers or listeners or other folks would, would enjoy and we'd love to get in front of you. And so recently we've been doing some more of that, um, that work with, with outside folks. Cool. And how long would you say it took from, you know, starting the conversation with the distillery to then having a product that's ready to go to market? What is that runway? Yeah, it was, it was about two and a half years. Yeah. So it was a really long process and one that we were totally fine with it being uh, actually that long. I think there was a, uh, a sense of urgency to to get it out there to the world because at the time we thought we had like a really interesting unique idea um but also what we're reflecting on now is uh is that i think there's a huge opportunity to bring a number of different uh releases out into the tequila space that haven't been done yet and uh, and we're just Kind of at the tip of uh, tip of the, the iceberg, so to speak, and um, and so yeah, it was it was a it was a long process, but we're really just getting started. And this being a family business, you know, we we have really it's a you know fifty year runway, right? So it's yeah. one of those things that you know that we're that we're excited to continue building and and growing as much as we can, but we're um, yeah not getting you know too far over our skis. Mm. What's been the most exciting part? would you say about bringing Montagave into the world? Sharing it, sharing it with, you know, with friends and family, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the folks here and locally uh, tasted the juice that, uh, that we had resting in our living room. <laughs> and, uh, and when we were talking to them about, you know, going and doing this fun, interesting project called Montagave, 
I'm not sure that many of them thought we'd actually do it. And, uh, and to, to bring something and not that they would be wrong for thinking that because, you know, we have busy schedules and we have a kid and we have, you know, all these things going on. And it, I think it takes a lot to, to go and start a brand, but, um, but to bring it into the world and be able to share that with people and give them, you know, uh, a tool to, to bond with their own friends and family as well in a meaningful way. I think that's really exciting to us and very fulfilling. And how do you bring it to market? Did you consult someone? I feel like the the booze industry is quite small, especially when it mm-hmm. comes to retail. Mm-hmm. How did you approach that in a way to to stand out and to sell yourself into these different retailers? Yeah, so our you know our production to start isn't that large, so we're we're very small batch, uh, and also the tequila community. Uh, the tequila enthusiasts and connoisseur community is is really tight knit, mm-hmm. and so you know we uh, our initial strategy was actually reaching out to these folks directly and saying, hey, we're um, partnering you know with this distillery, Cascaween Nam Eleven Twenty Three, who if you're a tequila nut or enthusiast, you know you're familiar with them and you get very excited about anything that they're doing. Um, and so, you know, and, and we would give them the pitch that's, that was basically, Hey, we're trying to introduce a a unique kind of barrel aging program that really hasn't been seen in the space, but do it at such a high quality level because we're partnering with 1123 and we think you'd really love it. And we'd love to get in front of you and doing that to a handful of folks, I think really gave us, um, some coverage and some visibility in that space. And, uh, in a bit, you could you could say that they were kind of micro influencers, I think, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so that was really helpful for us getting to market and and getting our product in front of people, and and within that, you know, train of thought, uh, even the distributor model that the U.S. Uh, runs on, uh, there were a number of distributors that because we had been showcased by some of the these tequila enthusiasts. They were reaching out for an opportunity to to partner as well, and so that was really helpful to us getting in touch with those people early on and and uh, and bringing it to market that way. Are you using a lot of your math skills, or would you say that's kind of been put to bed? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think most of for the most part, it's it's yeah back of the back of the envelope math right now you know making sure that we can that we can cover a you know a big order of glass or tops or labels or uh or agave or you know things like that but for the most part what what we're really doing right now is uh trying to um, get the product out there they say liquor to lips is a phrase that people that people use and so we're trying to introduce you know as many people as we can to the to the brand and get them to taste the juice because we know that the the product you know is really unique one but delicious too and and people love um here in colorado that we're a, a local brand and so being able to tell that story directly um is something that we really enjoy doing and and it's helpful and we're already seeing some of the the, the fruits of that where can people try it if they're listening how can we get our hands on it yeah so we're so we're Available in, I think, a little over 40 states uh, via our website, montegave.com. Well, that's the majority. 
Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's the, the big drinking ones too. So yeah, so that's, so that's helpful. And, and so, yeah, so we've been able to ship product all over the U S uh, and that's been great just to reach again, that connoisseur community that, you know, spans coast to coast. And then we're right now just focused uh, on a distributor specific uh, side of things. We're focused here in Colorado. And again, we're ramping up our, our production, um, ramping up our production so that we can expand to a few other states uh, here in the next year or two. But uh, but for now, we're really focused on just keeping everything, you know, high quality and and tactical growth is how we like to think of it. You know, it's um, not growing for growth's sake and knowing that, you know, the business that we're trying to to build is a family business and one that can be around for for a very long time. And that takes time. So we're, we're patient. Well, speaking of family business, especially between spouses, do you and Lucy each have your own specific role within the business? And do you have any recommendations for anyone wanting to start a business with a significant other or even with a friend, just like a close personal relationship? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very fortunate uh, in that you know, Lucy is just incredibly sharp and she brings so much to the table that I'm severely lacking. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think you get, you get beyond the math maybe. And yeah. And you're like, and you see everything else that Lucy brings to the table. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think, I think, you know, what we've found is it just a very collaborative environment. We love going for walks you know, with our little family and, and chatting about life and business and, and all of those things. And it's just very free flowing. Um, and, and I also think there's not really a, a structured role in place where we're both, um, you know, kind of all hands on deck in some ways. And, and so there are fires that come up that need to be put out and take, you know, multiple people to make that happen. And, and I'm fortunate to have, you know, incredibly, competent partner in, in doing that. Well, I'm sure you both complement each other very well, but <laughs> I was going to ask you, where do you see Montegave five, 10 years down the road, but you mentioned the runway's like 50 years down the road. So we can mm -hmm. just jump plus 50. <laughs> <laughs> What's your vision? I think within Montegave, you know, we'd like to, to launch a number of other SKUs um, within that brand. And we also, within the spirits world, I think we see other opportunities that are out there. You know, we see uh, in the tequila space, the, the opportunity is uh, introducing a unique perspective and being you know, vocal about producing how we view as the right way uh, and, and representing the artisans behind the juice and really celebrating the people that make the product. And we think that's the opportunity at hand in, in tequila at the moment. And we also think there are other opportunities in the broader spirits and, and non-alc categories. And, you know, over a 50-year runway, we hope to have more than more than just Montegave. We'd like to be able to launch, a, you know, have a kind of diversified family of brands as well that operate in unique and interesting ways and stand alone as, as great products, but built together. Um, create something really, really strong and really interesting and something that, you know, our family and whoever that may be, 
you know, would like to be involved with as well. I think as a family business, that's something that, that we would love to see. That's cool to hear you say, personally, after working with a number of larger heritage brands in the space, once you get to be a certain size, it can be really difficult to innovate in the space just because of the various levels of approvals and internal hierarchies and Mm -hmm. everything that goes along with a big business. Mm -hmm. And an area I have just been completely inspired by the last few years has been the non-ALK space. Mm -hmm. So many brands are doing it incredibly well, especially, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Gia. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, absolutely. They're amazing. Yeah. So Melanie, their founder, her vision was all about non-alk. It's been spoken of like the mocktail for as long Mm -hmm. as we've known. It's almost like a joke. You're mocking it. Why can't we make something that you can pair with alcohol or without, and it's still just as socially acceptable and whatnot? So that can be a whole separate conversation because I have spent a lot of time looking into all of these things. I'm interested to know your take on heritage brands. Like from where you sit on, you know, the smaller craft spirit side of things, I mean, do you think they're missing out on some big opportunities? Like, I'm just interested mm-hmm. in, in what's your take? Yeah, for sure. And and Melanie, right, is Gia. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she she's former GS, right? She was former Goldman. She was an investment yeah. lady, wasn't she? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. No, it's great to, it's great to see that. And she, yeah, she's done a phenomenal job. We're, we're fans of what they've done for sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, on the heritage side, it's very dependent on, you know, on, on what you're looking for as, um, you know, what's, where do you get your fulfillment as a, as a founder and operator? Um, what is the legacy that you want? And from our perspective, you know, a lot of what we're aiming to do and hoping to do is introduce just extremely high quality products uh, into the world and you know, push the envelope a, a little bit, challenge some perceptions and get people thinking about ways that tequila as well as other spirits can be produced um, just at a, at a really high quality level. And that's our focus point is you know, introducing unique, high quality, non-iterative products out into the space. Our view is the world probably doesn't need another vodka brand uh, it doesn't you know, need some of these other things that are just quite iterative. And there's, I think, things that people have overlooked. And that's where we see the fun opportunities in the space. Um, and that's where we're fine living. What would you say has been your biggest challenge since starting? <laughs> well, yeah, the, you know, the, the water's cold and dark and deep, right? Just hop in. <laughs> And, and, uh, and I think for both Lucy and I, the hardest part has been the multi-country, multicultural logistics management, the operations behind running uh, the business within multiple time zones, um, within multiple ways of, of doing business, because France, Mexico, and the U.S. are all a little bit unique in the way that, that businesses run. So I think that has been the the biggest challenge, and there's been you know an incredible amount of uh, patience I think that we've had to had to build as uh, as operators because in the U.S. I think most people are familiar with uh, maybe a more uh, sense of urgency 
a greater mm -hmm. sense of urgency around execution and some of those things. And, uh, and globally, you know, the world works in, in different ways and which is absolutely totally fine with us as well. It's just, it's just been something that, you know, we're trying to get more and more familiar with and, uh, and figure out how to navigate better. Did COVID and supply chain throw a wrench in getting some barrels over? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. No, it was, yeah. So it was, so we got our first shipment of barrels like right in the middle of supply chain disruptions of, of COVID. And so it was, you know, you can multiply the, the cost. It was like a three X multi multiple on the cost of, you know, bringing a container of barrels over from France and the time involved and some of these other things and you know, ports shutting down, different things like that. And so, you know, in some ways it could be a blessing in disguise because we didn't know what we didn't know uh, at the time, right? And it was just like, okay, we just need to figure this out and execute and, and whatever comes up, we can, we'll try to get past that. And, uh, and so, you know, I think right now we're trying to figure out more systems and process that makes that whole thing easier. And, and, and in some ways, you know, having to do it in the middle of, uh, you know, supply chain Armageddon was, um, was a blessing. True. <laughs> how often do you go down to the distillery? I know COVID was also a thing, but mm -hmm. how often do you need to go down and, and check yeah. things out in person? Yeah, we're down there a few times a year, and uh, and we've been down, you know, a few times to to taste product and see how, you know, uh, we have some product laying down right now in barrels, so we've been sampling from that as well, and uh, but we also go down just to visit with the team and the family and check in on things and and make sure that you know they're you know they're doing okay as a family as well, and um, yeah, again because I think this partnership. It's, it's, it's business for sure, but it's bigger than that in our mind. And we want to have uh, just a really healthy and, and a fruitful relationship with the family as well. That first trip must have been, I mean, walking into the distillery must have been, oh actually, you tell gosh. me, you tell me, what was it? What was it like? It was, it was the most incredible experience. Like, did you go to Disney World as a kid, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so the that that feeling, that rush of uh, of emotion and happiness that you get, uh, it's a bit surreal. You know, that was pretty much what we felt walking into this distillery, and it's just an incredibly, you know, beautiful and uh, rustic facility, right? Uh, this facility started in the 1950s and, uh, and there hasn't been you know, a ton of updates to it. They're in some ways anti-industrial. And so the way, the way that they're producing is really how it was made, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, which is what we love about them. And so to go into this distillery, it's like taking a step back in time and you're just overwhelmed by the smell of roasted agave and you can see you know the team chopping the piñas and getting everything ready and the way that they stack it you know within the the hornos in the ovens is i mean it's just an, it's a, like a symmetrical 
puzzle that they build within, you know, within the Horno and it's just this beautiful site. And so that entire experience, you're just on a, uh, yeah, you're just so stoked, I think on, on the whole thing. So that was, yeah, that was an incredible time. And, and yeah, Lucy and I have reflected on that first time to the distillery a number of times since then. And just to be able to, to bottle that up and, and keep bringing that out in our own, process in our own creative process right i mean it's your own creation i can only i feel like going to that distillery just on its own must feel like disney world but going to make <laughs> your own product must i mean i don't have kids you do but i I'm, <laughs> imagine it's a pretty good feeling <laughs> <laughs> yes that is all that is also one of the most wonderful feelings yes you're right you're right <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So John, I have five final questions. Okay. We may have touched on some of these topics in our conversation, but I'll ask you anyway. Okay. So question number one is what drives you to create? So for, for Montagave, the, the thing that drives us is being able to enhance the moments that other people spend gathered with their friends and family eating, drinking, celebrating, and connecting, right? And I think that is very much the center of what Montagave is about. We're trying to, to innovate and respect artisanal craftsmanship, but at the essence of what we're doing is trying to introduce a, a product that enhances those moments gathered, gathered with friends and family. Question number two, this one is fill in the blank. Feeling inspired feels like? Like a cold water morning surf session. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You're a surfer, aren't you? Yeah, surf a little bit. And I think there's this, the inspiration and that feeling that you get of a singular focus, the rush that you get when you're jumping into like a cold ocean and the singular focus that you have when you're surfing, all of that is what I feel when I'm feeling inspired on a project like this. Question number three, where do you go to get your creative juices flowing? And how do you overcome creative business, any sort of blocks in what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that is really you know the the relationship and partnership that I have with Lucy, a lot of that is being able to, to go on walks or we'll go work out or do something like that and just be able to converse and throw a lot of ideas out there. And that's one of, I think my things is I tend to come up with a a ton of ideas and Lucy, Lucy is able to, to sift through some of the, you know, some of the BS in there, I think, and, and to be able to say, okay, that one you probably shouldn't spend time on, but, but this one actually has legs and, 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 uh, and have you thought about this or, you know, have you thought about that? And so, um, she's an incredible sounding board. And when, you know, we have the, the issues that arise with running a, you know, multi country, uh, logistics operation or managing, you know, managing brand and and uh, some of those more creative elements, um, having that partner there to as a soundboard is is just incredibly helpful. Question number four: If you could tell your younger self one thing or one piece of advice, what would you say? 
I wish my younger self recognized the value of compound interest in all aspects of life. The, the idea that starting small and making even small adjustments and small improvements uh, can result over time in something that is incredibly special and remarkable. Um, and the, the key is in starting. Um, and, uh, and not necessarily to, you know, be the best planner, but, you know, to, to start executing. Mm. That is an excellent answer. Is there anything that's coming up that's keeping you feeling motivated and inspired, which feels a little bit like a silly question, but answer it anyway, please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's so many things to feel motivated and, and inspired by, the, you know, the element of, uh, of, a, of a family business, I think is extremely exciting and one that, you know, we wake up every day with this mission to go and create this sustainable, you know, this sustainable thing that our family can be a part of. And the inspiration around uh, bringing people together and providing something high quality and unique for them to, to use in their own celebrations, that's really exciting. Yeah, there's just, you know, when you're able to link elements of your own lifestyle with business, I think is really where the the magic happens. And, you know, for me and Lucy, uh, despite growing up on, on opposite sides of the world, uh, our families really revolved around the dinner table and around those moments, the four hour long dinners of, you know, breaking out incredible bottles of wine and, and a whiskey afterwards. And and different things like that. Like that was an experience that I had as a kid. And Lucy had that same experience growing up in France. And, you know, we looked at that and said, can we create a business out there that allows us to live that life, uh, the, the life that we want to live and, uh, and, and, you know, contribute some high quality products that enhance those same moments for other people. John, I am so... <laughs> It is so cool. No, honestly, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. You're my first childhood friend that I'm interviewing on this podcast. Oh my gosh, what and an honor, Michelle. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I'm very impressed. Um, where can people keep up with Montagave? Stay tuned for more. Where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. So we're at Montagave on Instagram, uh, montagave.com. You guys can, can join our newsletter as well. We'll be you know, all of our kind of limited release drops and other things like that will be going through that list that we have on the website. We like to keep everybody updated on, on, you know, all the happening things in, in the tequila space. So if you have any agave enthusiasts or just drink nerds out there that want to join in on the fun, that would be awesome. And, uh, and then, you know, my email is john at swellspirits.com. So if anybody you know wants to reach out, if I can be helpful with anything, uh, happy to do so and would love to do so. But Michelle, it was, an, it was a total honor and you're crushing it with this. And it's been so fun to see your journey with, with this podcast as well. And and uh, we're so excited for all the fun things that you're doing. So thanks for having me on. Of course. No, seriously, this was so much fun. Tell your mom hi too. I want to have your mom on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My mom. Teacher my mom of the was, year in Texas, yeah, right? That's right. That's right. Now she's retired. She is. She's retired and she is, uh, she's actually a student again. She's always learning. She's uh, doing a 
a master's in fine arts and you know scad the oh, school yeah, yeah, yeah. savannah college of art and design yeah so she's she's doing a master of fine arts at the savannah college of art and design and uh and she's crushing it so yeah she's amazing yeah. Well, I love your family. <laughs> well, John, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Michelle. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, hope to hope to share a glass of some Montagave with you guys soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Creative Juicy. If you like what you heard, it would mean so much if you can take a minute to rate and review the show. Be sure to hit subscribe to stay updated on new episodes and follow me at Mish, M-I-C-H, underscore Wainwright on Instagram for more podcast updates. You can also find show notes and a transcript for today's episode at creativejuicypodcast.com. Hope you have a good one. Bye.